Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there have long lost cousins. And I've run into some guys recently down in Mississippi. Of course, you've heard me talk for weeks about Big Mike Jones down on Washington Lake. He's been telling me ever since I met him, I've got these cousins. I've got these cousins. Mike, everybody's got cousins. Yeah, but I just found these not too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> long lost cousins, but I got with me Bob Jones from Columbia, Tennessee, and his brother Jerry from Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. And I understand both of you grew up in Lawrenceburg, but uh, one of you kind of went uh, the other way just a little bit. But you guys, how far apart are you now? 35 miles. Oh, not very far. Not far at all. So y'all can still get close Well, right together. now we're just two feet apart. Two yeah. feet apart. Hey, yeah. you're, you're not following COVID rules, man. No. <laughs> I don't believe it. No, yeah. <laughs> but we, We've been vaccinated, so. Oh, have you? Well, yeah. I haven't done that yet. I'm chicken. I'm real afraid of needles. Uh, I have oh. a hard time with needles. I'd never make a good drug addict, I tell mm. you that. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But what part of Tennessee is this that you guys are from? Between Nashville and the Alabama state line. Okay. South of Nashville. Then. Yes. Halfway okay. between Chattanooga and Memphis. Okay. Great country out there. Oh, yeah. I've been over that way and on over to the Blue Ridge, you know, and been out in the hills and backpacked a lot. In fact, yeah. I, I backpacked over there one time. <laughs> My wife was with me. I get in a little hurry sometimes when I'm packing things. We had a little bitty tent. What put it up. I didn't have the poles for it. <laughs> we had every piece of string we could find to tie it up the trees boy it was one weird looking tent but we'd straight off the trail just a little bit and uh, dark kind of caught us so we're putting things up in the dark <laughs> we woke up the next morning and there's a sign over through the woods i said man we haven't gotten all the way off the park or something have we so when we're and look says danger Wild hog experiment area or something. We kept right on top of it. <laughs> mm, I don't get out of there. Yeah, we left in a hurry. <laughs> but had some great adventures over, over there. And I understand that you guys enjoy the outdoors, too, and get together. And haven't been, haven't really been fishermen throughout your lives? Not so much. So what did you guys enjoy outdoor? Bob, you mentioned something about a cow pasture. Well, for the last 20 years, I've been playing golf a good bit. Two or three days a week. Two or three days a week. And getting worse as I go. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, you'll laugh at me. I, I took a course in college, you know, mm. and I I could have really enjoyed golf, but I stayed so busy in the outdoors chasing this, that, and the other and trying to catch fish and all that kind of stuff. I never really took up golf, but, boy, I thought I was really good. We would played golf inside of a big stadium house, you know, but when we teed off, they had a tarp right in front of us about, mm-hmm. I want to say, 15 or 20 feet. And, man, I thought I was I, I was on it. I had a game going. I could drive those golf balls. First time I get on a, on a range and I hit that ball, boy, it goes straight away. And then you call that a slice? 
Yep. This was, was a, right. This was a horrible slice. Oh, yeah. man, I, I tell you, that's a, I didn't know if I could ever straighten that, that out. But I became a park superintendent right out of college in the military, and the boss loved to play golf, and he made me go, you know. And doggone if I didn't beat him. I, he said, how'd you do that? I said, I cheated just a little bit more than you. <laughs> mm. But you guys like to do other things, too. I understand that you, you're motorcycle fans. Well, we've enjoyed that for a Quite a few years. Let's yeah. see. From roughly 2021 years, from 1996 to about 2007, you stayed in it another few years after that. Yeah. Yeah. We rode the whole country. That's what you said. Did you say 49 states? 49 states. Did you keep track of the miles that you might have put in? Between 60 and 75. Somewhere yeah. like 1,000. Yeah. Sitting on a motorcycle. Sitting on a motorcycle. Right. Yeah. That is incredible. Now, did your interest in motorcycle, um, did you both start at the same time, or one of you start and bring the other brother in? Well, essentially, as adults, we started at the same time, but I'd ridden a small motorcycle delivering newspapers in the morning and afternoon when I was a teenager. Really? It just became a motorized, faster way to get around the paper route. Absolutely. So I was comfortable doing it and waited till my kids looked like they were going to make it on their own, Mm -hmm. and and so I bought me a big one to ride on the highway. (laughs) Now, you said a big one. What what kind? You have a big Harley? Yeah. I I started with a middle-sized Harley and and quickly learned that I didn't have enough space for clothes. And other things, so we moved to a big one right away. Really? Well, Bob had a Harley on order in '96. Asked me if I in Nashville. Now he asked me if I wanted to go up there and check on uh, with him to check on his bike. While I was there, I bought one. I bought a, a two-year-old, a used one, but uh-huh. uh, I never ridden a motorcycle before that. But, wow! Uh, it was. Uh, Do you have any fears about starting out riding a motorcycle? Well, I took a, a safety class. There you go. I dropped it the first day before I went into class, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> they taught me a little bit, and uh, uh-huh. Bob helped me along. But uh, yeah, we had a great time. Now, now, did you guys just ride by yourself, or did you join clubs? Or well, Harley, Harley Davidson, yeah, Harley Davidson has a Harley owners group for nominal annual dues. Right, you can sign up for their various kinds of trips. It might be a rally in a city, and mm-hmm. it's environs for a weekend, or it might be a cross country trip for two weeks. Wow. And we've done several of those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, that always encourage people. I, I guess I've been a joiner all my life, uh, and it's been, well, they told me I joined the Army. They told me I volunteered. I was in, <laughs> I was in the first lottery, military lottery they had. I, I didn't volunteer for anything. I just got a bad number. <laughs> I remember that year. Yeah, I, I do, too. I, what was it? Number 111 is taken up about 240, so... I was finishing up college, so I went ahead and got an ROTC and uh, got one of those butter bar things on my shoulders, you know, second lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Still had mm-hmm. to had to go for a little while, but what what an experience! But my dad my dad was a World War II vet. His son don't ever volunteer for anything. <laughs> <laughs> but my only brother, four years older than me, kind of I don't want to say. They were probably in their 40s when they took up motorcycle riding, was in clubs. And uh, regardless of what it is, whether it's fly fishing, learn to bait cast, or learn to golf, it's a great way to go to join a club with a group of people that are experienced. And people people will hold your hands to get you started. Sure, sure. And, and you just cut light years off of the learning curve, you know, when you join and get in with a group of people that will 
point you in the right direction and teach you the right things. I was a hunter ed instructor for many years, and it was always great fun to teach people, see them try it themselves, and then succeed. All right, so what's the longest trip you guys ever took? 6,600 miles, I think. Mm-hmm. We rode to uh, from our homes to San Diego, uh, California, and back across the country to uh, Savannah, Georgia, Tybee Island, and then back home from there. Why? Because how long? How long did that take you? How long did you take? About to do? three weeks. Three when? weeks. So, do you carry little tents that you camp in, or stay in motels, or Holiday what? Inn, or Holiday Inn? <laughs> do they have special parking for for Harleys? Well, sometimes it's yeah, it's on the front porch, or sometimes <laughs> if, if the weather's bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they don't want you using their good washcloths, so they volunteer a stack of worn out ones out front, so really? that you could clean so, our bikes. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, pretty. They, Thoughtful. They take care of us. I guess they must have a lot of Harley riders drop in. Well, they they probably learned by experience not to... Not, not to leave you shorthanded on a cleaning cloth. I bet that. Well, what's the biggest problem you encounter traveling cross country like that on motorcycles? Is there a common problem that comes up? Well, weather sometimes. Weather's yeah. the worst. I remember a day we were, um, we'd ridden up the East Coast and we'd been chased all the way by a storm working its way from the Southeast on up into Canada. And we tried to stay a day ahead of it and did for a good while. But then we had to turn around and come back. Oh. And we rode all day one day through Maine and into Massachusetts where you could, uh, you could see the white, white fog line. And that was about it because you had a windshield in front of you without a wiper. Oh, you had a visor yeah. on your helmet without a wiper, and oh, you had my. your you had your spectacles on without a wiper. <laughs> so you were looking through three layers of raindropped now, see, surfaces. Not being a rider, I would never ever think about something like that. We went through Yuma, Arizona, at 120 degrees. Uh, been on de- uh, well, the, the wind was so bad one time it blew my face, my visor off my helmet, uh, which it's hard to even get off really, but. Uh, <laughs> But it blew. It took it off. <laughs> yeah, there are highways in uh, the Yakima Indian Reservation in the state of Washington where they put wind socks on bridges so it won't roll tractor trailers off of those bridges. And needless to say, you got to lean those motorcycles into that wind to oh, be able to I would keep think, them going. Man, you guys have had some incredible experiences on the seat of a motorcycle. Yeah, we got a big time. Well, it certainly sounds like it. Now, so you were two were how old when you took up this hobby? Around 50 for me. Oh, I was uh, 45, 40, something like that, 44. Well, you can teach old dogs new tricks, can't you? you can, you can, absolutely. <laughs> but I, what inspired you to ever ever do that at, at that age? Just a sense of adventure? or it, it probably is an adventure thing. And, you know, you mentioned fishing. It's similar. You head out for several hours or several days in a mm-hmm. boat or a motorcycle or anything else, you're going to encounter something you did not anticipate. And we, that may be part of the appeal. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe it is. And we had good friends that rode, you sure. know, and, sure. and we found a lot of new good friends. So. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I got to say, you know, all I knew about motorcycles, I remember a cousin of mine when I was in high school, he had, I, I think they call it a motor scooter back then you know i think mm-hmm. 45 was about top speed but i thought man that's so cool you know 
he'd ride into town. He'd ride gravel roads, though, get into town, go to movie theater and that sort of thing. Well, he got a hot rod a little bit coming home one night on a gravel road and turned that thing over, and he was, he was, he lost skin from his ankles clear up almost top of his head, you know. Uh, he wasn't teasing us so much after that. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen, of course, you always see the accidents and that sort of thing. I guess it kind of frightened me away from uh, motorcycles. But like anything else, you know, you're trying it for adventure. You know there's certain risks out there. Sure. That helps keep you on your toes, right? Right. Absolutely. What's Absolutely. the big, biggest thing you had to watch out for while yep. you was on the road? We uh, we rode in groups a lot of times, right. so and I think that helps, you know, especially if you know you're, you're the person riding with you. Absolutely. But I tell you what, I've become convinced of, and one of the reasons I quit not only an advancing age and a slower reaction time, but right. You see these people texting on their cell phones in the cars and just weaving uh-huh. across the center oh, line. Yeah, I see it every day. If they hit another car, it it may do some property damage and a little bit of uh, personal injury, but it's going to kill a motorcyclist. Yeah. Yep, you're just about out of luck. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. you got to watch out for that other driver. Yeah, constantly. Well, I, I drove for UPS for 34 years, and you've seen some crazies. Oh, I, oh. I, I have. And uh, but we had a safety meeting every day of the world. That's mm-hmm. how we started the day. I don't care if it was 30 seconds or two minutes, you know. And you heard a lot of the same things over and over and over. But you're out on on a road every day. I began to see what you're sure. talking about, you know, I began to put it all together. And, you know, we were literally made a eight-second circle. You're looking up. Mirrors. We check the right mirror. And we, if we were well, we going to have a rearview mirror, we had those. And we eventually got backup cameras and to the left side, back to the front, to the right. I mean, you constantly, yeah, constantly rotating those eyes. And I taught that stuff to my children. It works. Yeah. It works. And these yeah. state highway commissioners ought to be motorcyclists so they know not to let those chunk holes get so big in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. I guess, you know, it, it probably doesn't take much to th- throw you off kilter on a motorcycle. That's right. Yeah, no. but, but what an intriguing thing. So if, if you're going to uh, talk to somebody about getting into motorcycling, or you're just wanting to sell them on it because you obviously loved it, you enjoyed it for many, many years, if you're trying to encourage somebody to do that how, how do you explain it to them how do you convince them now you guys were salesmen in your lifetime is that correct the furniture business yeah, yeah. yeah. okay so you spent a lot of your life trying to sell things to people how would you sell a motorcycle to people to get them to ride well i think it's a great way to see the country certainly but uh, i think harley get davison might used to have a saying that uh, you can't explain it you got to experience it but once you do, it's it's hard to turn back. It's, it's kind of addicting like a lot of other things. Yeah. But this is a good addiction. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can actually smell the honeysuckle growing on the side of the roads when you're riding a two-lane twisty road. Uh-huh. But now you can also smell those feedlots in Nebraska and <laughs> Kansas. Right, right there in Kansas. <laughs> far as you can see. You, you, can't, you can't put your wind up while you're going through Kansas or Nebraska. How, how long can you hold your breath? <laughs> Not very long. <laughs> oh. That is a great point. You guys have been just a delight to have on the show. But I understand that you found a long-lost cousin a few years ago. How about, yeah, how about that? Tell uh, me that story. Well, Mike... I guess our grandfathers were brothers, right? 
and so we're second cousins. Okay. And, um, yeah. He he shows up where at the first time they honored a. Uh, uh, he came John to, Jones. He came to cemetery. a cemetery decoration where they did a Confederate marker for a great grandfather of ours that was a private in the Civil War. You know, uh-huh. no big shot, but just right. they get around to recognizing the little guys eventually. Yes. And uh, he realized then he had a lot of relatives there, but I don't remember meeting him then. That was probably 15 years ago. And then he came back about six or seven years ago, and uh, a cousin of ours and another cousin in Florence, Alabama, hosted a get-together for some of us Joneses to get acquainted with Mike and Darlene. I'll be done. And Mike and I, excuse me, Darlene and I are genealogists, so she was pushing Mike to pursue the Jones family. And uh, I had a lot of that history in in my notebook and computer, so uh, we got to comparing notes. And when my wife uh, wanted to visit the Mississippi Delta, we, Jerry and I insisted that we plan on spending a day or two with Mike and Darlene while we were here. Well, it just happened to hit a a tournament, a crop crappie tournament. That's, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. How, yeah, yeah. How lucky were, were we? Well, I got to ask you, your first. But uh, we call him Big Mike. Big Mike Jones, did you take him on a motorcycle ride? <laughs> no. He, he looks like he could handle one of those bikes that has a big V8, you know, between your legs. Uh-huh, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I've only known Mike not quite three weeks. I was invited down to uh, the Big Mama Crappie Turner they were holding. And, uh, we well, prior to that, I guess we had a media camp here. I was invited in as one of the riders come in. Good old Mississippi tourism flew me in from St. Louis and flew me back home. But Mike, Mike took me to the airport at Jackson, and he said, Bill, is there any way you could come back for this big mama crappie tournament? And it was the next weekend, so I just really got home, unpacked my bag, got things washed, and packed back up again and talked to we have a tv show as well called living and dreams outdoor tv and they have a young man that takes care of that they wanted me to do it but i'm 72 years old i'm not climbing any more trees to hunt deer and all that but i know a boy can do it no he's such a personality just a a joy and so i talked to him of course he's working a full-time job he's burning the candle at both ends you know but he's just so revved up and just an inspiration to people so i talked to him yeah i can get off work friday so they raced down here and and shot the TV show and all that good stuff. And he loved it so much. He wanted to stay, you know. And I rubbed it in a little bit. I get huh. to stay nine more days. So I've got to spend a lot of time with, with Mike. And actually stayed in his home last night. And, boy, we are two peas in a pod. Now, i got to tell you, right. we we just fell in love with each other. And uh, I was like, man, you, you didn't, do you know how tempting it is? I was raised in Mississippi County, Missouri, to just pick up. And move down here. I mm-hmm. love these people down here, and I can tell you know the Jones clan must be a pretty good group of people. Well, we got here just at the weigh-in time today, as they were bringing their fish in and getting them weighed and see who won the tournament. And uh, we were made at home by everybody here and enjoyed oh. this great food that we've shared. Absolutely, but uh, with people as far away as Las Vegas, you know, but they've all. Yeah. And those people had seen Mike. <laughs> That's, I don't know if they told your story. you got to talk to them. They can tell it better than me. But uh, they saw Mike on uh, Facebook or something. They drove all the way out here just to meet Mike Jones, and he wasn't here. 
Oh. They made the third trip before they got him cornered. But what a delight he is. And I've often said I've, I've been to, I'm not a big tournament fan, but I've been to a lot of media camps in my lifetime. And this is one of the grandest events I've ever seen, a, a small event. This community just, boy, came together to make this happen. And, of course, I know what they want. Everybody wants the public relations to get more people to come, bring, you know, dollars to their their counties and their communities. And, boy, it was a great media event here. We had uh, riders from West Virginia, from Florida. Mm -hmm. I'm from Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma. And uh, you should have seen the social media flying out of here. Man, we've had just hundreds of responses. And we brought a young ex-Marine cameraman with us. I'd had a coach after me for two years to use this kid, and I knew him. I mean, uh, I grew up in a church with his mom and dad, knew him when he was a little bitty guy. Of course, he went off to Marines, lost contact, and that sort of thing. Work ethic out of this world. He, he's working, flipping houses real fast, and he's got a photography business. So I brought him along not knowing what to expect, and he, got, he worked hard, had a drone he put up. Well, we had a couple hours left the last morning, or those guys did. So the show host went out and fished. For t- and in that short period of time, he had produced, totally produced, like a four-minute video. Plus, I had given him a bunch of work to transfer a bunch of media stuff. He had all that done. And that little video was the finest thing that come out of that media event above all us 50-year-old outdoor riders. And he's had thousands of views on that thing already. Now, I'm having... I'm, going to go back home uh tomorrow and i'm going to be to the living the dream office pretty quick and i hope my boss doesn't listen to this because i'm going to get down on my knees and beg him to hire that young man mm-hmm. and, and within 15 minutes after it posted i, I deal with a lot of young people who helped them get started in the guide business we do just media blasts on them you know get get them a good jump start well another young man i deal with called me and he said he said can the can we take that kid to Alaska with us in August? I said, well, I think you probably ought to ask him. <laughs> but isn't that great, though? Yep. And we had a young man in that camp. Uh, he was in his 40s. He just jumped out on his own, starting his own TV show. Brandon Jennings is his name. He's from Louisiana. And that guy laid out in front of me while we were doing a podcast a portfolio. Now, it listed everything he'd ever done, all of his accomplishments, everything he'd ever volunteered for, covered in beautiful photographs he had taken. And after the podcast, I said, I'm 70 years old. I've never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. If I was hiring somebody in the outdoor industry, I'd be looking at you. You know who I interviewed next? Little Mike Jones from Mississippi Tourism. Talked to him. And he said, man, I'm needing somebody to do some video work. I just laid that portfolio right out in front of me. I said, just thumb through that never seen anything like it i'd hire him he hired him that afternoon so there's two great things that come out of this media camp that really help young folks guys thanks for being on the show you were a ton of fun i'm bill cooper and this has been living the dream outdoors podcast the living the dream outdoors podcast is brought to you by cowtown usa alps outdoors cardiac mountain outfitters the fly rod journals westover farms Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, and Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions. 
and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm, we live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.